1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined by Tyrone Marshall. Hello. And by Samuel Lutkust. Hello, and we're delighted to have you back. Yes, welcome back. It's a real treat to
0: be back. Quiet in the office without your... uh... Irrelevant banter.
1: I'll take that as a, <laughs> as a compliment. I'm not sure it was intended, but, uh, <laughs> but we will take that. Uh,
0: it's your hot takes, Rich. V- controversial takes. Yes, which, there's been a few yeah. already this morning. You've yeah. only been back a couple of hours. You're straight back in where you left off.
1: Wales did deserve to be Croatia. I'm not having anything <laughs> other than that. from some, I'm not, Okay.
0: But that's by the by, anyway. Daniel James played
1: well as well in that game again. Yeah, mm. streetwise. Streetwise Daniel James. cast. Might, as be, might as be streetwise again <laughs> this weekend. But uh, you two have had the pleasure of a morning in Carrington, a nice chilly one. Uh, Solskjaer's Press, we'll start with you, Samuel. You were doing the, uh, the book of a bit at yeah. the start. But um, I guess the top line was team using, we've already had some earlier this week. De Gea and Pogba uh, both ruled out. And then today he said some players could be back. today. It wasn't quite as bad as it was first suggested. Tyrone, you said before that Klopp had spoken about United's injuries saying that yesterday it was ruled out, today it's, there's a chance.
0: I think he said yesterday they were ruled out, today it's less certain tomorrow there's going to be a chance or something like that, suggesting there's, there's mind games at play here.
2: Yeah, but the, the good news for Klopp obviously is, is that he can read the Manchester Evening News on Saturday night and see exactly who is in the squad when they arrive at the yeah. Bowery. Yeah, uh, I think Pogba is is definitely out. I mean, he's. I don't. It's even back in the country yet. I mean, even if he is, he's not trained. He's not probably kicked a football for over two weeks. Goodness knows how long. So I think it's pretty you know certain that he's out. Um, I still don't think De Gea will play. Uh, that said, I wouldn't be surprised if he does rock up. They haven't got any choice but to start Marshall. I think it's got to that point now. Um, speaking to one of the photographers who um, braves Carrington most mornings, he says you can tell when Marshall's fit, that you know he he, he's, he says he says there's the risk of actually reading too much into his pictures, but when he's injured, he does look miserable as sin when he's fit, he's actually smiling and happy. And they've found that to be a pattern over the years. So obviously if he's out this weekend, then it's complete nonsense. And I will never mention that again, but I I just think that given the the circumstances, Marshall does have to play. If Wan-Bissaka doesn't come back in, having had Tom Slytas, you wonder what the hell's going on there. Luke Shaw is Luke Shaw as Phil Jones is Phil Jones. Uh, When it comes to injuries, they're both very brittle and, it wouldn't be a surprise if, if Shaw's still not back and he's, he's been out for a long, long time
1: now as well. Yeah, we'll get on to you Maybe your preferred team selection in the second half of the podcast, but uh, Romero and goal for you, would it be, Tyrone, in that instance? I mean, the thought of Adrian versus Lee Grant would have been good, but it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looks like Alison's back for Liverpool and yes. uh, Romero would probably be in goal for United.
0: Yeah, I think if there's probably one area uh, Soska can afford an injury, it's probably in goal. Romero's... Up there with the best number twos in the league, probably the best number twos in Europe. He's, he's played in World Cup finals, so I don't think there's any concern about throwing him in if De Gea doesn't make it. And you know, let's not forget De Gea hasn't been at his best. Um, he's been a lot better this season since he signed his new contract. He wasn't at his best towards the back half of last season, um, so I don't think there'll be any concerns over playing Romero. I actually thought it was strange Romero didn't play at. Alkmaar a few weeks ago in the Europa League Do you remember which dull Dutch did, yes, I then, did yes yeah. I did yeah I was just ticking them off in my head then Demp 20 went. no <laughs> FC 20 no we got there in the end yeah. oh, I've forgotten it again now AZ yeah I thought it was strange he didn't play in that one considering you think he'd play in most of the Europa League games this this season um, so if De Gea doesn't make it then I don't think there'd be any concerns about throwing Romero in he's, he's a very experienced goalkeeper
1: yeah we'll wait and see on Sunday more about that as well uh. I saw some fans on Twitter weren't very happy with Sarsha they say he's a bit too defensive and I guess maybe naive he's so positive against they seem to forget it's the worst starting night I've had in 30 years worse than they were this time last season they're 12th in the Premier League 15 points off Liverpool and yet he says there are improvements that have been made what did you make of his comments today Samuel because it just seems like a broken record every week and like he's oblivious to the burning house around him he has that knack that other United managers <clears throat> since Ferguson,
2: apart from Dave from Moys had the at the start of the press conferences, uh, they're chiming with the fans, they're hitting all the right notes, and then towards the end of their reign you you post any comment that they've said in the press conference and it's just gonna wind up supporters to, to high heaven. And that is happening with Solskjaer now. He's he's not chiming with supporters, which is, is pretty peculiar, not not because of how bad <clears throat> excuse me, how badly nice have been. But the fact that he he played for the club for such a long time, and he pretty much was a fan before he um, before he got the
1: manager's role, he said that again to didn't he? It, again, he, when he spoke about the Liverpool victory, said they can write their names in history like I did. It's yeah. harking back to the past again. It doesn't matter what happened. We've not had much years. of that
2: recently either. Mm-hmm. There's the, the you know he couldn't stop mentioning Fergie in his first few press the gaffer, conferences. The gaffer, it's called. The gaffer <laughs> yeah, the '90s. That was the great uh, thing, I think. In when he said, we're not in the 90s anymore. Yeah. And then at the weekend, it was on MUTV, Ole on 1999, which was obviously recorded a few months ago, but it's like, you know, the, the History Channel punchline. <laughs> that used to be the Liverpool joke. Now it is the United joke. Uh, but that's, I suppose he has to play it in a certain way. I mean, it, it does echo what a lot of people, most people at the club are saying in that. They do. They genuinely do think they're heading in the right direction. You know, as certifiable as it sounds, that they're of that opinion. They think the recruitment they've they've nailed. They think they've got that right. Um, I think a lot of people would say you can't get it right if you don't sign a striker or midfield. And when it's obvious that you needed those in the summer, 100 um, percent behind Solskjaer, all these sound bites and what have you. Uh, but there has to, you know, it, it has to come to a head at some point, unless they managed to arrest this slump and I, d- I don't actually think they'll get tonked this weekend. I don't, I'd be amazed if anyone out there actually thinks they will, they'll win, but it's, it's a really, really tricky period coming up in that you've got the best team in, certainly in England, European champions coming on Sunday and then it's four away games on the spin. And although on paper, you look at those teams, they're not you know too difficult coming up against apart from, Chelsea this is it doesn't work like that way with United anymore I mean you could easily see them losing at Norwich you could easily see them losing at Bournemouth A Bournemouth first half last season away from home it's one of the worst 45 minutes of sin from the United side yet somehow they got in at halftime 1-1 um, so how how far that positivity goes remains to be seen I think the the, the counterpoint from the club is that well you know Jose went in completely opposite direction and was throwing people under the bus and look how that ended up. But as I've said before, I think Solskjaer has just gone too extreme in the opposite direction when there's some easy middle ground there where you can empathise with the supporters and be realistic rather than just saying how wonderful and brilliant everything is when it clearly isn't since they could end up in the relegation zone after these these next round of
1: matches. Yeah, Ty, do you have anything to say with Sosha on those comments? Do you think there have been genuine improvements? I know there's a lot of talk today. He was asked uh, if injuries have played a big part. He didn't really mm. want to be too pressed on that and say, we're struggling only because of injuries. But mm. United you know, have been quite unfortunate with the injuries. They've missed some penalties as well that could have easily had them higher up in the table. You know, the momentum builds if you start winning these games and you're not having these drastic defeats. So, do you think United have actually improved since
0: last season? Or I think they've improved defensively. Um, I think we've seen that evidence before our eyes. One of the best defenses in the league now. Um, so, I, you know, I think they've definitely improved defensively. I think the other. I mean, teams are going to suffer with injuries. United have suffered with a lot, but I think a lot of this is also their own doing in a way. You know, Solskjaer is still not happy enough with the fitness. He's still working them hard.
1: But do you not think he's to blame for rushing people like Paul Pogba back for a meaningless League Cup game, which has now ruled him out of one of the biggest games of the season.
0: Yeah, quite probably. And I think he rushed players back last season as well. He, he flogged the players in Dubai in January last year, and then they all started getting muscle injuries, and it's happened again. And there's a sense it was Liverpool at home last time, wasn't it? When it was when three flies. three went down. Yeah, I think Matich went down on the eve of the game, and then three in the first yeah. half. Wasn't it? Rashford,
1: Rashford was the first one that went down, but had to play the full, play 90 full ninety. Yeah, Lingard yeah. Was, Lingard came on, then yeah, went back, back off. Here.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. Bizarre. Embarrassing. and that was like an episode of casualty um, but yeah it, it's still happening and I think that, speaking to Solskjaer in, in Alkmaar when Jesse Lingard picked up his, his injury he seemed to hint that there was an acceptance that they were going to keep getting injuries until the players were fit enough but they haven't got a big enough squad to cope with that so it, you know, in that, if that's the case and that's what's happening then no I haven't really got sympathy with them on that regard because it sounds like it's a necessary evil to get the fitness up but unless you get results he's not going to be the manager to, to benefit from that and the penalties thing—I mean, teams miss penalties. The team that wins the league will miss penalties. The team that gets relegated will miss penalties. You know, miss penalties are a, a fact of football. So, if, if every team—if every team said, "Oh, well, we missed this penalty, we could have an extra X points," then you know we'd, we'd be in complete chaos. So, yeah. mi- you know, missing penalties is just part and parcel of football.
1: Well, United have had more penalties against Liverpool than any other team they face in the Premier League. Just so maybe they'll have that. It's ten. They've had 145 penalties mm-hmm. in the Premier League. <laughs> Street, you, don't, you don't want me to name all of them, do you? <laughs> God. That's the teaser. you got to do it in chronological order as well and tell me exactly where they went in the net. Uh, Samuel, also at the presser today, uh, Solskjaer was once again pressed on the sort of summer uh, decisions he made and he was asked to, again if he, it was the right decision to let so many players go when only three came in. Uh, what did you make of that? You've already hinted that it was so obvious that he did a new centre-forward and a new central midfielder, but Solskjaer again defended his decision, do you think? He was right to have such an overhaul in the summer, or do you think he's paying the price now? Again,
2: completely understandable why Lukaku went. Lukaku didn't want to be there. Okay, Solskjaer marginalized him, so he kind of you know pushed him uh, in, in that direction. But Lukaku agitated, and you know he, he just abandoned all professionalism at the end to ensure that he, he forced that through that move. I think they're right to. You know, cut the cord on Sanchez as well. Unfortunately for them, I think this time next year, he'll probably be a contracted United player, um, given the he's had another injury I, I, and he wasn't really starting for Inter either. I think he only made one league start for them. But of course, they, they knew, I mean, Solskjaer decided many, many months ago that he wanted to get rid of Sanchez. They probably, well, they knew in early April that Herrera was definitely going, they certainly would have known probably around the same time that Lukaku wanted to go as well. And th- the irony is when they appointed Solskjaer permanently in, uh, when was it, March 28th, one of the uh, reasons given was like sooner the better and also transfers as well. And the, the phrase that was given was that they could supercharge the transfer plans. Um, you know, I think the charge is still going very, very slowly on that one, given that they didn't sign enough players in the summer and they've taken a bit of a kicking over that so at the moment they're trying to get their message across about how brilliant their recruitment has become suddenly and they feel as though they've nailed that when in, in recent years it just hasn't been up to scratch and there've been different factors um different managers as well there's there's an awful lot of mitigation there um but when we were we were asking recently about why they didn't Um, why they didn't sign a striker and I think there were they said that there were three strikers they looked at and I assume those strikers were Dybala, Manzukic, and possibly Dembele at Lyon and the answer we got back was as to why they didn't sign any of them was we don't remember which is really handy because i think you could probably look at one of the or, or what we all wrote when the Debal deal uh, didn't go through as to why that wasn't it was because of wages and the brother getting involved and what have you but to just just to, you know have that outlook on things it was was a little bit peculiar and given that that comes at a time where they're saying how great their recruitment is um it's it's still not a great look and I I think this is going to be a a source of regret this time next month this time in two months uh, until we get up to January when they can try and address the situation talk about things which aren't
1: necessarily a a great look Uh, the Paul Pogba picture Tyrone he was featured by the Daily Mirror uh, talking with Zinedine Zidane in Dubai just by the poolside quite a nice way to spend your international break while you're on
0: crutches uh. that or Japan would be fantastic wouldn't
1: it that would be nice Yeah, I know which one I'd rather pick anyway but uh (laughs) When we, uh, when Sosha was asked today, he sort of downplayed it and didn't really want to get involved in it too much. He's not really concerned by it, but uh, it's not a good look for Pogba, is it? But is it just one of those things where it's innocent? Because footballers talk to each other all the time. Managers and players speak. It doesn't mean there's got to be anything with it, but I guess because the subject is Paul Pogba, Dan so openly admires him. It adds another layer to the whole story.
0: It does, yeah. I mean, it's not ideal given what happened in the summer and the fact that there was an obvious flirtation going on there. Um, You know, Zidane made it pretty obvious he wanted Pogba and Pogba initially made it pretty obvious he wanted to go. So it's not a great look, but I doubt they were the only two footballers or footballing personalities on holiday in Dubai over the last two weeks. Footballers are going to bump into each other in Dubai, left, right and centre. Yeah. I I mean, it's not it's not ideal. It's not a good look. And perhaps something in Pogba's head should have twigged. I shouldn't be doing this. But at the same time, he will know Zidane. So he will know to speak with him. And if he's gone to speak with him, does it matter if they have a photo together? I mean, he's not going to ignore him and not speak to him. So does it then matter if the, they're snapped together? I know the fans are going to react probably angrily to it and it's not a great look, but um, I'm not sure it's as... It. <laughs> I'm not sure it's the worst thing that's that's happened to United this season. <laughs>
1: anyway, put it that way. Yeah, I think it's pretty low on the agenda, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah Samuel, you asked him about it there as well. And yeah, I was quite conscious of framing it in a way so I wouldn't get, you know, a
2: kicking from yeah. the Pogba fanatics on on Twitter or anything like that. Not that I really listened to them, but yeah, I, as, I, I think I said, like, you know, footballers get photographed together all the time. Like that part of it is kind of, I just use that as a, Frames the question um, in that he'd said a few weeks ago, "What's the point keeping players who don't want to be here?" And he was referring to Lukaku. And at the time, I think that's that's when the that was his last answer. The press conference wrapped up, and you're thinking, "Well, Pogba doesn't want to be there," and. That's that's kind of like why I said that, and he said, "Oh, he's never never said that." Well, (laughs) Pogba wants to, he has, he has, and his agent he also said it as well. There's only so much you can indulge Paul Pogba and defend him. I think people higher up at the club are a little bit more philosophical about um, about Pogba, and they're they're aware, you know, they 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 saw what he said in the summer, and sooner or later, there's going to have to be. A decision made there um, as to when when he's sold because if he's got any principles about him, unless United become a major force
1: again over the next year or so, then he's going to want to leave. Yeah. Uh, one, player, one person who won't be leaving, he says anyway, Solskjaer said that he's got Woodward's full backing today uh, mm. and that there's already plans ahead, not just for January, but for next summer as well. And What do you... I mean, he's going to obviously say that Solskjaer
0: he's never going to put his own
1: position in jeopardy but no. do you think he is pretty safe at the moment United, despite the uh,
0: the poor start to the season? I wouldn't say he was pretty safe necessarily. Um, I think there's this run of five games has got real jeopardy for him, I think. Um, I mean, it could change quickly. If they somehow get a result on Sunday then it buys him a fair amount of time but if they... If they lose on Sunday, and I'm something I don't think they'll get hammered by any stretch of the imagination, it wouldn't surprise me if they even managed to get a draw out of it. Um, if they do lose, then I think this run of four successive away games, given their recent away form, has real jeopardy. Um, I mean, Belgrade and in, in the Europa League and Chelsea in the League Cup are, are less important, but still gonna be a great look. I mean, losing to Belgrade would throw the group wide open, really a group they're expected to qualify from pretty easily. Um, But the Norwich and Bournemouth games, I mean, those are two games that really look quite tricky. I mean, we've seen... Is there any game that doesn't look tricky? Well, no, fair one. one. Um, You know, with that away record, if they don't win in Belgrade and they go into Norwich less than 72 hours later, having not won away in 12 away games, having lost at Liverpool, potentially in the relegation zone by that point. And we've seen what Norwich did to City earlier in the season. All right, they've been thrashed at home by Villa as well. But that's going to be a huge test and I think it's those those games and that game at Bournemouth that that could be his undoing I, I think if you know if we sat here in after five games and they've not won away in 15 games I think it's going to be hard to see a scenario where he's still in that job um, you know, he, he is incredibly positive about what's going on behind the scenes and what he's seeing on the training ground and things like that but unless they start winning games then he's not going to be the manager to, to benefit from it the, the club can have all the patience they like but that there is going to be an acceptance very soon if things if the results continue that he's going to be under a lot of pressure
2: I don't think there's a time frame on no, no. on when he'd be sacked I also don't think that he's got the whole season regardless you know you just play it by ear i I don't think that um say they were bottom at Christmas, I wouldn't expect him to be in charge. They're not just gonna carry on regardless like that. There's gonna if it is that bad or if it's if it's the, the example I always go to is Mourinho's last season at Chelsea when they're sixteenth, was it just yeah. just just before Christmas. If United are in that position then I think he's probably a goner. I don't think he's completely bulletproof and then they sit down at May and decide, okay, look, this is how it it's gone you've got to go. So I think that's pretty sensible. There's no point someone coming out there, going out there and saying he's got the whole season, no matter what, because it's it's just going to roll fans. And it's just a bad way of going about things as well. Um, they have changed, you know, they've changed their approach. There's um, quite drastically. And they sat Mourinho last year when Champions League qualification was still possible. That was previously the, um, the benchmark to, to get sacked by, uh, if you're a United manager, so he is he is in jeopardy, uh, despite how positive they're sounding. But while he is still in post, they can't say anything other than we are 100 percent behind the manager. But there will be a point where they have they are behind the manager and they've got a knife to
1: plunge into his back because he's not up to it anymore. Well, whatever happens, Edward would insist it will be the football figures. At United, who will make the decisions? He spoke this week. He said it's an insult and a myth to think that non-football figures make the big decisions at the club. What
2: what do you make of those comments? Someone said at Carrington's day. If the way you could read that is that he's saying it's an insult to say I'm at fault for the crap recruitment at this club. Blame those guys over there who are the real football figures. Woodward's role has changed slightly in that they're all admin at the club all the relevant people you speak to in that he has nothing to do with recruitment anymore. Whereas previously he was the guy who got on a plane to Spain to see if Neymar wanted to join United in in 2015 and dealt with Raiola, dealt with Mendes. Um, Matt Judge is the head of corporate development who goes out there, touches base with agents, gauges whether a player wants to come to United and is negotiating the deals. So Woodward's taken a back seat. I think that's, been reflected in the investors' calls when he just talks about football now, he doesn't talk about the commercial side. I think, from his perspective, he would probably, in an ideal scenario, he'd like a David Gill style role where you're, you're quite comfortable and you've got some, you've got the right people um, in the right positions to to take care of the football matters and you just oversee it and you sign off the deals when they're, they're set up. So <laughs> As, as i said even though he's even though that minor role change has occurred he's still the common denominator in six
1: years of largely the fans years as well the fan, yeah the fans he might have had within the club a different role change but the fans still see him as the man responsible
2: he they? is he is the he's the chief executive he's the he's the kingmaker there he is the man who chooses the manager there 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 isn't a process there they've not got a recruitment department that lined up to go out there and see what, who, what or who should their next manager be. Um, they're overseeing, you know, the transfer side of things. He's the one who thinks, yeah, he's, he's, he's the manager for me. Um, that's been the case since he, he settled on Louis van Gaal. Obviously, everyone knows that Ferguson chose Moyes. And that was the very moment where, because it went so badly wrong, that you, you realised there was just there was a non-existent football structure there because the owners the chief executive all of them they just deferred to the genius manager and, and his opinion as to who should be the next United manager which was wrong for a number of reasons because it shouldn't be the manager making that decision and also it was such a such an obviously wrong decision and quite a quite a blinkered one as well you know going from cut cut from the same cloth that was literally on the website when it no. announced Moyes and They've, they've been playing catch-up ever since and they're still the, the structure still isn't right. But a lot, but most of the people at the club think it's working, think it is right and that's why Woodward's launched this quite impassioned
1: defence of it. Well, he might have more uh, support for his defence if United do get a result this weekend. The second half, we will talk about the Liverpool game but before then, we're going to take a short break and we're going to leave you two with a teaser question. Mm-hmm. This weekend, it sees United take on Liverpool and it's the first time... In a long time, that Liverpool have faced United as league leaders in the Premier League. What I want to know is, when was the last time Liverpool played United as the top team in the Premier League? When was it and what was the score? We'll be back after this short break. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester Is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News just before the break I left Samuel and Tyrone with a teaser question when was the last time Liverpool faced United as Premier League leaders when was it what was the score I'm gonna it's quite an open question we am gonna let you just maybe hazard a guess first
0: Where, Tyrone when do you think it was the last time Liverpool played United as league leaders I'm guessing it's a long time ago obviously they came close to winning it in Moyes' season didn't they when they slipped up towards the end of the, the season and they won 3-0 at Old Trafford fairly late on in the season wasn't it but I'm guessing they weren't was top the
1: Gerard Pelties yes
0: that was in March in March I remember that day well because I was
1: going to Snowdonia to an art gallery and was listening to it on the radio
0: good so times. hipster <laughs> good so times. hipster um, so I'm guessing they weren't top at that point of the season then no in that case
1: um, Before we got on air, I did say that if someone's going to get the question, it's not going to be you, Tyrone. So <laughs> it was never going to be that easy. This is true. Something 0102? No. Uh, but closer than Tyrone's guess. 0203? No. <laughs> You're getting colder. 96? Correct. Yeah. Uh,
2: David Beckham winner
1: October 1996 1-0 United David Beckham in the which minute I don't know that (laughs) it was (laughs) in the first half 22nd minute Oligon and Solskjaer played 80 minutes that day if uh, my quick Google
2: yeah I think he created the goal
1: but yeah that's the story (laughs) that was was the teaser so yeah that is is a very long time 23 years a
0: long time ago what were you doing for that one can you remember Rich
1: well I would have been just celebrating my second birthday so that's going to make lots of the listeners feel very old, probably. It's <laughs> going to make people sat yeah. in this room very I'm old. Sure, too. really? What was I doing when I was two? Probably watching Tom the Tank. Probably not that night, though. But who knows? I will try and find out. I'll ask my mum and yeah, get back to you. text your mum if she can remember. I'll get back to you for next week. But uh, the Liverpool preview, Ty, we've already spoken about it. It's going to maybe, I guess the feeling is going into the game if United are to get anything, it's going to be maybe a day where Liverpool have an off day of the United playing particularly well, but you both mentioned already you can't see United getting thrashed. I know John Barnes said today that Liverpool could destroy United if they play naively, but uh, what do you think? You've said that you think it will be tighter.
0: Yeah, I don't... And Liverpool haven't destroyed United for a while, really. Um, and they've, they've had chances in recent seasons as well. I mean, the fixture at Old Trafford back in at the end of February... Yeah. I think, wasn't it? It was... Um, was an ideal chance with all those injuries and they were second best throughout that day, really. So I don't think, um, I just can't see it being a thrashing. There was an interesting stat the other day, actually, that Liverpool's front three have only scored once against United in 16 or 17 combined I appearances. The, I think that Mané goal Mane yeah, last, season. last season.
1: I saw that uh, United are the team that Sal has faced the most in not England scored and not against. scored against. Right,
0: okay. as- yes, yeah, so I, I think the stats or the evidence points up to a thrashing not happening Um, I still think Liverpool will approach this game with a lot of respect as Arsenal did coming to Old Trafford a few weeks ago there's although United are clearly having problems and look vulnerable there's still that element of it's United away at Old Trafford and I think that's you know for a club like Liverpool that's probably quite hard to shake that it is one of their biggest games of the season
1: Say that to Virgil van Dijk who said today that it's not one of the biggest games of the season it's just like any Champions League match which it's on a par. So I guess the same as Red Bull Salzburg?
0: Well, yeah, but I, I'm guessing by that token that Burnley away isn't like a Champions League match. So therefore it is one of their biggest games of the season. Unless every Premier League game is like every Champions League I match. I
1: think he said that in terms of Premier League it's only games when you can, which, which are going to decide the title. He said that this one, it's just another game. But
0: oh, he's lying, isn't he? Let's yeah. be honest, he's yes. lying. Let's he see is. that when he heads in the fourth goal. Like this. <laughs> Let's see how he celebrates that. So yeah, I, I think, and this, the, there's almost an element of... I mean, car, not cars falling into place for United in a way that it's almost becoming a free hit. They've had so many injury problems. You see De Gea get injured on, on international duty and it, it could almost create this sort of siege mentality, this back-to-the-wall mentality. Which well, it was it you against Leicester as well, didn't it? That it was did, game yeah. And it worked, into... it worked a little bit against Liverpool in February when they had three injuries in the first half and it, it almost galvanised the players into performing better in the second half. So there's certainly an element that that... Could happen. I mean, it would go against the evidence of our eyes of recent United performances, but you never know. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be a, a close game. I think United will be in the game for a long time. And as I say, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they got a draw out of it.
1: Yes, Samuel, I mean, I guess the whole point we're trying to make is United's best performances under Solskjaer have always come against the odds playing on the counter-attack. And that's exactly what they have got to do this weekend. with people like Rashford, Marshall, James on the break, they have got pace, which could exploit the high... I play in fullback. So, how would you approach the game, though? Because it's a home game. I know Solskjaer was asked at the press conference as well uh, about the Moyes comments when he said he United yeah. got underdogs for the game. Yeah. He was asked if that was a reality and he, he sort of brushed but it. Yeah, brushed he, just, it to one he, he just responded it rather than answered But to it. whether you like it or not, United are the underdogs going to this game. Any sort of betting stats will tell you that. But how would you approach the game if you were United manager? Uh, they, they do need to go on the front foot. Um, just to
2: try and rip, rip Liverpool out of their comfort zone. It, it really wouldn't surprise me if the game develops like the Derby in April, in that United seemed to exceed expectations in that first half. They got at City, uh, and that was three days after the, the, the absolute embarrassment at Everton, that 4 0 defeat. And it was 0 0 at half time. They'd done reasonably well. But of course, in the second half, City go up a gear, score quite quickly score again quite quickly and it's and then the rest of the game was a procession and United weren't fit enough Saskia said they're not fit enough I think come the end of the game or certainly in the dynamics of the game on Sunday I'd be amazed if you know it's it's the Alamo at Liverpool's end um, if, if it's a tight game and United are in and, and United are in need of a, of a goal I I don't you just don't see them getting to that stage now even the Southampton game in August they had and man advantage and they had all the ball they weren't creating enough clear-cut chances the ball was going in all the time and nobody was there on the end of it so uh, Liverpool have got just you know they're they're superior in just about every department uh, I don't think there's a single one area of their squad that you'd say United are better off there um, there, there are players who United who had enhanced Liverpool but the bigger picture is Liverpool are just superior just about everywhere that said, I really wouldn't be surprised if United get a draw because their mentality is now that small time and that it's, it's kind of like relegation for a little bit like Newcastle. that I, I certainly thought after Newcastle got tonked 5-0 by Leicester, they'd get a decent reaction against United. And then you see that United squad that travels up to them. At that point, I thought, United aren't, aren't going to win this. And then Newcastle took the game to them. The, Longstaff brothers uh, performed really well and they, they got a very, very spirited and a, a really deserved win. Um, but I suppose the mitigation there is that Newcastle playing against a terrible United side. United are playing against the best team in the country at the moment. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if United get a draw. And if they do, that has to be seen as a positive because Liverpool are on this exceptional winning run. United are absolutely awful. Um, they, I think, well, it was last year they brought out the, the film Too Good to Go Down. Like, there could be a sequel coming, <laughs> coming sometime yeah. soon. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if they get a draw as, as small time as it
1: sounds for United, then it's it's a positive. Yeah, uh, You both said that a draw is maybe possible, Tyrone. Are you saying there's no way United will win though? Or, or what what, you say? Because it seems that a lot would have to happen for United to win. Liverpool would have to have such an off day. Yeah. think if United score... Can you really see them keeping a clean sheet?
0: Yeah, I think I can see them keeping a clean sheet. Um, They've been good defensively, or better defensively, this season. It's undoubtedly the strongest suit for United. Um, I mean, Liverpool have, I don't think Liverpool have been in great form before the international break. I think they've started to become a little bit of a a nervy element to their wins. Sheffield United. Sheffield United, they were poor. Leicester. Leicester, they needed a... You know, a very dubious
1: injury-time injury
0: penalty to, to get the win. So they've not been blowing teams off the park, which kind of adds to this this myth about that they get, the United might get thrashed. Well, it would require a significant improvement from Liverpool for that to happen. So if Liverpool play like they do in those games, I don't, I wouldn't rule out a United win. I mean, there's, there's been bigger shocks in football, the United beating Liverpool at Old Trafford, whatever state they're in. And this rivalry has always had a habit of the team that's down on their haunches you know finding a, a knockout blow on, on one off days so I wouldn't I, you know, it would obviously be a surprise and I think we'd all sit here and say United aren't going to win but at the same time if we sat here on Monday discussing the game and they have one you know I, I don't think it'd be the, the biggest surprise in, in this season's Premier League when Kenny Dalgleish was back for
2: his whatever it was 18 month spell as manager at Liverpool they had three home games against United 1-2 and the one they drew they they should have won and that was a Terrible, terrible Liverpool team. There was lots lot of margin living off the past as well. Yeah. All blends
1: well. All well. So, here first, yeah, beating
2: Liverpool. And in the 80s and the 70s, United had a decent record against Liverpool because they were inferior and they'd get up for it. And Liverpool, I think, certainly between 2008 to 2012, um, United were terrible at Anfield. They had a really, really bad run there where. Ferguson for some reason always kept on playing. Didn't Maxi and Rodriguez scored a hat trick. Did Coutinho score a
1: hat trick? So, Maxi it, Rodriguez scored two, maybe or something. Like, no, I, I don't think so. But anyway. Coutinho scored a hat trick, and I think the distance
2: of all three goals combined yes, was about two yards. <laughs> okay. They were all literally near enough on the goal line. One of them was when Nani. Never, never the greatest in the air as, as you would say decided to head the ball back towards his own goal and then Count was just there
1: to <laughs> tap it in good times yeah. good times so yeah final question for you both we've spoken about the injury <clears> before but but who would you pick I guess maybe the biggest decision decision would be that midfield especially with Pogba missing
0: yeah I think midfield's problematic um, I wrote a piece last week and it was the international break so I was just searching for any old ideas but the more I thought about it the more I think I might actually be right um, and perhaps, I mean, the, the problem is, I don't think anyone deserves to start next to McTominay in that midfield. No, for, that's, that's what i said not. as well. But someone has to. I mean, you can't just play ten and say, "Sorry, lads, you've not done enough to match and Fred." No,
1: that would be. They, might, they might
0: actually. <laughs> get, yeah, my, get, my, get might get further be don't don't for we? it. Um, so, I mean, I, I would stick into the four three three. I think so. Yeah, I, I know. Four, I think four, Solskjaer four, said four, afternoon four, three, 3 Now aren't we? More they, of a four two three one at times. He said it? at Newcastle, we've got to decide whether we need to go on with this system and do the same yeah. things. He kind of hinted at Newcastle that he had a plan for Liverpool, didn't he? I just hope that's not a back three because <laughs> yeah. playing a back three against. Liverpool three, It seems suicidal. It just seems too obvious because they don't play as a natural. No. They don't play as three up against three centre halves. They're all over the place. So I think it's a bit. And they've too not got three They've, not, they've got
1: two centre half. They've got one centre half. They could so play.
0: I mean, they could play Twan with Lindelof, and Maguire. Yeah, but I would consider perhaps playing Twanzebe in midfield. Yeah, as a defensive midfield role, giving McTominay a little bit more license to get forward, more of a box to box role, and then Twanzebe can drop in defensively when required. He can pick up Firmino if Firmino drops back. So, just having someone with that defensive intelligence to play that midfield role, he's who's good your, on the ball.
1: Who's your attacking midfielder in that? Um,
0: that's the dilemma. That's the other dilemma. Jairings. Like,
1: well, if if I would he's go
2: if if he is fit, which remains to be seen, I that was my suggestion, Lingard, yeah. an unpopular suggestion, obviously, but I've I've always been of the opinion that that's his best position. It's yeah. playing as an attacking midfielder in in a three. Yet for years, he's he's either a right winger, when he's not a right winger, he's a playmaker when he's not a playmaker. Um, he, it's, I think Roy Keane touched upon it in the week when he was talking about Barclays. If you get to a certain age and you still don't know what their best position is, something's fundamentally wrong there. And that is the case with Lingard. But I think Tuunzeb just has to start because he's the quickest centre-back and you're coming up against Salah, uh, Firmino and, and Marne who to varying degrees of speed are quick Lindelof isn't Maguire isn't so if if he can get back deeper and he's able to you know get, get on to one of those three then it just makes fundamental sense and and also I just think he's been playing pretty well recently that, that he deserves to play um, it was it was a really really bad decision to move him out of central defence yeah. against Newcastle when it was unnecessary Dallow's injured fair enough Rojo comes on, but I just thought Young will go to right back and Rojo goes to left back and you keep the centre-halves there. I think Ferguson once said that. He said, you do not break up your center half central defensive yeah, yeah. partnership during the match unless it's it's enforced. Yeah. And I was really surprised that they did that. And then it kind of contributed to the chaos that ensued when Newcastle got the ball up the other end and, and Longstaff scored. So I think James Marshall, Rashford, has to be the front three. I don't think 4-2-3-1 is the right, is the right formation with United, with or without Pogba, fully fit squad or depleted squad. Um, But if is not fit, you, unfortunately for United, they have to play Matic or Pereira or Fred, or, not unfortunately, but James Garner. But, I'd you know, suppose it's worth a try. I mean, he's from, Bir- from Birkenhead. You can play on the, the local angle like the Longstaffs did the other week. <laughs> Again, United, you know, acting like a relegation side, but I suppose that's kind of a reflection of where they are at the yeah. moment.
1: Prediction, Ty? 0-0. Uh, no, no. <laughs> wow. What, that, I mean, yeah, that's the Billings It is. It is, sport, it is a... Was it Red Monday or something they called it a few years ago? Was it the one when Pogba? Oh, it was a atrocious released? game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the one at Anfield Red, was it was called like Red Monday. It was Red Monday or something. Pogba's yeah, like emoji just released. Oh, like oh yes, no, that so was that
2: was, that was that the one-one game when he gave away a penalty and missed a that one one Had one of it? was it? that Red Monday?
1: That remember, was the Sunday called,
0: game was when it was the Monday night football that finished nil-nil. And a diabolical game. The only
2: two good things in it, I think, were De Gea's save from Cucino and Antonio Valencia Valencia tackle on Firmino it might have been he
1: put some sliding tackle when a tackle's in the top two yes. yeah. it was one of the worst games of all time not just a tackle but an Antonio Valencia tackle <laughs> as well. next year he crossed it with his left foot as well yeah. but uh, who knows about that but yeah we will be back next week to reflect on whatever happened Old Trafford on the weekend and we will preview the Europa League Classic away against Partizan Belgrade. Tyrone, Samuel, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. today on the Manchester is Red podcast. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and we will see you again next week.